Welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey where we talk with people who are trying to live their most fulfilling life, which often tends to be on a much different path than it started out on. Whether it was changing careers, getting laid off from a job which sparked their entrepreneurial journey, or breaking through the noise to answer their calling. All of these types of situations and more, but they wouldn't have gotten to where they're at today if they didn't get started. We talk about the why and the how of these getting started moments and the lessons learned along the way. I'm grateful to have you listening in along on this episode, so let's get it started. Please welcome in on this week's episode, Dr. Aaron Hartman. Let me give you a quick background on Aaron before we jump into the episode. He is a board-certified family medicine practitioner, a clinical researcher, and a functional medicine practitioner. After years in family practice, he felt called to make a dramatic shift and began to pursue functional medicine for his own family's health. Soon, Dr. Hartman recognized the benefit of functional medicine for anyone who has suffered unnecessarily from a system that fails to support whole person health. Really excited for this wide-ranging conversation and all the topics we dive into. I hope you all enjoy this. So without further ado, please welcome in Dr. Aaron Hartman. Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining tonight. Ryan, great to be here. So I'm um, so excited to be here. I'm just honored to be um, to be part of this and have an opportunity to talk with you. Well, I'm always, you know, intrigued, especially talking with someone with your background and the stuff that you do day to day. You know, health and nutrition is such a massive part of my life. I've been on this discovery, I'd probably say for the last eight years, um, really on it. So I definitely want to dive into some of that stuff. And um, I, I thought it would be maybe helpful, um, maybe sharing a quick. I don't know, you go 30 second elevator pitch type, but yeah. just around what you do day to day, maybe, you know, for folks that don't know what functional medicine is, maybe just a quick background on that. Um, and that might help give some context as we talk about a variety of things. Well, I mean, my 30 second elevator pitch almost kind of rolls off how I got into this field of medicine. So I'll just kind of throw it out there. But it's like, you know, have you ever felt frustrated with healthcare, with your inability to find answers, feeling like you're kind of going in circles and the answers you get just aren't quite what you expect. So functional medicine is the individualized, personalized way to deliver healthcare. It's what evidence-based medicine is supposed to be. It's what everybody wants. Um, and it's science-based. So we're using the most up-to-date data and in individualizing healthcare. And we look at systems. We don't look at diagnoses. So I don't look at chronic fatigue, fibro, you know, post-COVID, long COVID, which is I'm seeing a lot of right now. I don't look at the title. I look at the systems, what's actually going on then I unravel it, get to the root cause and address it. And the amazing thing is, is your body actually wants to heal. And so when you find these things, address them, people with um, things that have not gotten better actually get better. I don't like to use the word like uncurable or, you know, because that's too extreme, but it's amazing to see people with autoimmune diseases have them go into remission, people with uncontrolled blood pressure and diabetes get off their medications. Um, it's really super awesome to see. And that's what functional medicine does. It's individualized, personalized, science-backed, um, medicine. It's, I think it's the way medicine's supposed to be, to be honest with you. Yeah. Why do you think, you know, functional medicine, it seems like it's come on the last, you know, maybe it's a handful of years, maybe it's a dozen years, maybe it's a little more, but it seems like it's become more popular. Is that because there's more research and folks that want to take a stand on it versus kind of the old way of, you know, just, and again, this may be sound bad and probably my ignorance of just popping pills of like, hey, you have something wrong, just take a pill. Well, the reality is there's different ways to solve the problem as you're, you know, as you're probably experiencing. I think the reason it's becoming more popular is the, is the access to information is so easy. Like, 
Um, now, if you have a, a, a rare disease, you can Google it, find research articles from the, the most up-to-date people in the world on it. So it, mm-hmm. now that data, you have to go to school, you have to go to an Ivy Tower, you have to go to a special textbook. Now, my textbooks cost $500 just to buy one of my textbooks, right? Yeah. So you don't have to do that now. You can actually find the stuff. And it's amazing, you know, half of all Americans are overweight. Half of Americans are diabetic or pre-diabetic. A lot of us are sick. And people are looking for answers. And as you search, you find out, wait a second, functional medicine's at the Cleveland Clinic? They have a clinic, they're like, what? Like the, the Cleveland Clinic, right? Oh, they've got an integrative clinic at Duke. And all of a sudden, you start realizing this is not, you know, in the corner closet medicine. This is at the mainstream institutions. Dr. Fasciano, who's like one of the top GI doctors at, at Harvard, Dr. Mullen, top GI guys at Hopkins, they're functional gastroenterologists. And once you realize that, now you can actually listen to these guys talk through through um through YouTube, through podcasts, through books, and you can learn some of the stuff they've learned without even seeing a doctor, without even leaving your home. So I think the access and just the unmet need, people are not getting better, people are getting sicker. You know, um, one out of two of Americans will get cancer in their life. You know, one out of twelve Americans has an autoimmune disease of some sort. And as people get as more and more stuff is going on, people are looking for answers. I mean, the great example I think is um was long COVID, right? Um that was just being, that's just came out on mainstream media probably three weeks ago from, from this, this recording right now. It's on the 22nd of April. Um, I was talking about last summer, you know, on social media. And so it's really interesting how like that transition from data to practice that lags, people that are looking for it will actually find it now because they have access. So I think there's an unmet need that people realize there's something else that just taking a pill for, you know, for a symptoms, not the answer. And when they go to their doctor, they just don't get their answers met and their needs met. And that's kind of actually what got me in this field of medicine with my daughter. And so what's happened, COVID has exploded that. You know, all of a sudden people are scared, like, what can you do about this? And the um, traditional answer is nothing. In my world, it's like, wait a second, 87% of people who die with COVID have low vitamin D. Maybe we should take vitamin D. If 40% of people over 65 have low zinc. And if your zinc is low, it increases your risk of hospitalization almost 50%. Well, that's like crazy data. Like, so people are looking for that and they're finding it. And that's where I think it's functional medicine and the, um, the recognition of it has just um, accelerated in the last year, mainly because of COVID and now post-COVID as we yeah. kind of hopefully get out of the pandemic. Why do you think, you know, this is maybe a slight tangent, but because yeah, like the vitamin D and zinc and all that has, it's been around in terms of last year. Um, I remember listening to, I don't know who was on Rogan, podcast, you know, probably a year ago, and they were talking about this a little bit. And, and look, fortunately, I was already taking vitamin D, I, I feel like I'm a decent help, but I, I started to pop a little bit more. But, um, but like, you don't hear that in main, the main news media, for some reason, I don't understand why, like, why we're not talking about that more, you know, I mean, it's unfortunately, the way media works is our brains are wired for safety, right. And so, you know, two years ago, if I was to talk about D and how Low D is associated with an increased risk of breast cancer, an increased risk of prostate cancer, an increased risk of colon cancer. Like that just doesn't, that's not, for lack of a better word, it's not sexy, it doesn't sell. You know, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not, hey, you can change your life. That doesn't really sell. And our brains are wired for protection. So our brains pay attention to six to seven times more to warning news, like, you know, the, the, the big, you know, oh my gosh, you know, end of the world kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so because of our brains are wired for survival, um, good news doesn't really sell, unfortunately. And that just pervades kind of sort of everything. It's, there's really interesting data 
showing exposure to news is directly associated with increased risk for anxiety. I mean, and just this past year, it's been insane. The anxiety levels have been insane, you know? So I feel like there's that, that our natural predisposition. And ultimately, you know, we're talking about interventions that don't really make any money. They're not really, you know, I mean, for, again, black or better, they're not, they're not really sexy. It's just like vitamin D. You know, I've been checking. It's really funny. I joined my practice in 2007. I was checking vitamin D back then. Mm-hmm. And one of the physicians in the practice was like, oh, it's a young guy doing the trendy thing. And that was, you know, 14 years ago, you know, so this, the data on D is old. The data on vitamin C yeah. um, goes back to 1960s. I actually did a presentation at, uh, at the local medical college here about some functional stuff treating inflammatory bowel disease. And I pulled an article treating inflammatory bowel disease from the 1960s using IV vitamin C. Have you heard of that before? Ever? Like I have an article from the 1960s using it wow. back then. And so I think what people need to realize is that in medicine, it's a slow, slow process. It takes 17 years on average for research to make it to standard of care. Hmm. And, you know, it took us 50 years to figure out the smoking was bad for us. You know, it took 30 years for hand washing to catch on Europe. And the guy who invented it, Ignaz Semmelweis, lost his entire career over it. You know, so I think it's just in all of our faces now that changing how the healthcare system works is a long, arduous process. But my hope is that, but there's so much in your hands, you can find answers if you look, you know? So that, that's kind of my hope, so to speak. So if we, if we look around, let's just say health, you know, nutrition, you know, fitness, those, those kind of things, obviously around the functional medicine piece, what are you find? Like if, if you were coaching someone and saying, Hey, these are some things to look out for, or to maybe almost as markers for themselves to figure out what direction they should go in. Are there certain things like you see with, with your patients of like one or two major things to like, okay, this is a big contributor of which is going to lead you down a bad path kind of. Yeah. I mean, you can, there's, those are actually the foundations of functional medicine. They're the main things. If you don't get right, it's just hard. You can't supplement yourself out of bad sleep. Right. Yeah. You can't supplement yourself out of a poor diet. And so it's foundational things are your know, first diet. You know, if this is data from the University of Florida that half of all chronic disease in our country can be directly attributed to eating processed foods. So half of chronic disease, okay, that's, wow, that's amazing. Sleep, you know, we know with COVID, data from COVID last year, if you sleep six hours versus eight hours, it increases your risk of severe COVID 25%. Sleep is one of the foundational things. Um, exercise and movement, you know, all, anti-aging is all the rage, right? And people talk about exosomes and telomeres and all these fancy biohacking things. Mm-hmm. The best way to, the, the best anti-aging drug is exercise, you know? Um, and so like, those are like the sleep, diet, exercise, stress reduction. Um, these are like the, the foundational things that were really bad, bad in our country that make the biggest difference. If you look at blue zones, which are places in the world where you have more people living to be a hundred. If you've, I don't know if you've heard of those you know, blue zones. Yeah. yeah. And you look at what goes on there. They, they don't have access to, to like healthcare, you know, Okinawa, Sardinia, um, Nicoya, Costa Rica, you know, they don't have, except for, except for Loma Linda, California, they don't have amazing medical systems, but people are eating what they can grow or catch in the local area. They're really close family, social networks, their bodies follow the natural um, circadian or the natural sun rhythms, um, and they don't have major stressors. And so, and, and people have low, almost no cancer, low cardiovascular disease. They have huge numbers of people making it to 100 and healthy. And so I think like, like those are the foundational things that obviously functional medicine builds on with cool, with nootropics and peptides and all kinds of cool stuff that's cutting edge, but yeah. they're, they're all on top of the basic stuff. 
it is amazing. Nutrition is one of those things, like how simple it actually is when you really think about it. Like eat nutrient dense food, eat stuff that's grown like pretty close to home if you can, kind of thing. Like no, you know, processed foods. But it, I don't know why it's just hard for a lot of, especially Americans, to go down that path. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's access to it or cost. I think it is. It's it. You go to you go to France. This is really funny. You in France and you go to a, a little store you know, in the afternoon, you look for croissant and they're like, oh, there's no croissants here. Like what? I just did me an old croissant. They're like, no, yesterday's croissants for yesterday. Today's croissants for today. There are no more croissants come tomorrow. And you're like, no, I want an old one month old Wonder Bread. Like why can't you, like, it's interesting how like they take such pride in fresh food that's local. You know, you go to different parts in Spain and like there's the fish monger, you know, there's the cheese monger. It's like these people who like, they only do one thing and they do it really, really well. And um, that's not very convenient, um, but it's an experience. You go out with friends and pick food up and stuff. And that's where we've just kind of gotten away from where food comes from. There's a guy, actually, Joe Salatin, who's a big, like, one of the best um, organic farmers, best well-known organic farmers in the English-speaking world. He's actually here in Virginia. He talks about kids getting off buses to do a, a tour of his farm. And they, go, and they come out looking for the salsa tree. And he's like, kids? And he's, like, he's got his, his Virginia, Virginia Tech country accent. Kids, there ain't no salsa tree here. And it's just like, we're that distracted or dissociated from like some of the most basic foundational life-giving things. And I, um, it's, yeah, I think it's a cultural thing because convenience is the most important value in our culture right now. Yeah. And um, it's been like that. And you, it's just interesting going to other countries, even with bread, it's totally different in France mm-hmm. than it is here. You know, dairy, the, the most basic stuff is way different than um, stuff we have here. Yeah. Do you find, um, you know, I was thinking about this actually recently. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, ask you about it. And I don't know how much, do you, do you work with a lot of younger um, kids with like ADHD and sensory processing disorder and those things? And the reason I ask is my son um, has ADHD and sensory processing disorder. And I'm, I'm trying to research more where I think having a better diet, if he had a better diet, he could potentially solve some of these challenges and, you know, having these discussions with his mom, you know, and, and other, you know, sometimes I don't always, you know, win those arguments. So just trying to figure out, you know, it, would you agree with that? Or is there any guidance you'd give on that? So there's a prescription drug called Viarin. Okay. It's actually a prescription drug that's FDA approved to treat ADHD and it's concentrated fish oil. That's all it is. It's amazing for the, the kids' brains, you know, they need anti-inflammatory healthy oils. I've had kids come to see me three, four years of age with sensory processing issues, um, eczema, gut issues. I've t- done blood testing and their, their balance of omega-3s and 6s and saturated fats are totally off. I've just changed that. And one kid actually wasn't, he was three and he wasn't talking. And the reason his mom brought him to see me was for his eczema, not his to speech because of course you can't do anything for speech and sensory stuff you can only help functional people can only help gut and skin stuff right and so i you know basically start on some um on like basically the balanced omega-3-6 thing and when she when he came back in three months to see me she was like all oh, by the way he started talking um you know and talking clear you know six weeks after we saw you and so you know with adhd you know or healthy oils healthy balanced omega-3s and sixes which are hard to get because everything out there is processed mm-hmm. you know all these hydrogenated orals are partially plasticized. You don't want plastic, like hard plastic in your brain. You want super flexible lipids that can move and change and repair quickly. Um, Sugars, it's amazing. There's this whole thing to this gut brain access and bacteria will actually, and yeast will grow in your gut 
and create these things called pseudo neurotransmitters. So they're like neurotransmitters, but they're pseudo, they're fake, made by these bacteria. Has your son ever got hangry? Have you ever not given him like, or eat something goes kind of bonkers? That's a result of those, those bacteria and yeast making either, that's one called glutomorphone and casomorphone, which is a milk neurotransmitter and a wheat neurotransmitter that can actually, a lot of kids with autism, mm-hmm. a lot of autistic kids, ADHD kids, like it's almost like an endorphin where they eat it and they feel better. Like, oh, he, he's got a snack. And three hours later, they go bonkers. So there's, there's that stuff. And then there's the environment. I'm seeing so many kids with behavior issues. And it's actually from the environments, from chemicals, the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much every school where I'm at has some kind of mold issue because of the um, ventilation systems and how they cut things back. You know, mold and mold toxins are neuroinflammatory. Um, mm-hmm. I see a kid with autism. I'm looking for the moldy building. You know, if I see a kid with really bad ADHD, I'm asking about allergies. Does anybody have allergies in the house? Eczema. Because you're starting to look for these, these toxins that are in the air. And it's really kind of interesting because this is things I've been talking about for years. And when COVID came around, we realized that, wait a second, Wuhan, China, Lombardy, Italy, um, New York, London, areas that have high amounts of microparticulates in the air are some of the places we had the worst COVID, and then literature popped up, oh, by the way, air quality can affect severity of lung inflammation related with COVID. Hmm. And so like, there's so many things that can be done with those kids. If you get them early enough, you can change the trajectory of their brain function. That's kind of what happened with my daughter and our family. That's what got me in this medicine was with my daughter. When we um, adopted her, we were told she'd be a vegetable. She would never talk. Um, she would never walk. We actually were told to put a feeding tube in her and just pour. How old was she? She was on, we first started doing foster care with her when she was one. Okay. And then eventually adopted her when she was about two-ish. And um, basically, the interesting story, you know, with that was the uh, GI doctor said she was underweight and we needed to put weight on her. So said, hey, just, we'll put a, t- a plastic tube in her belly and you can just pour a formula down in that and she'll gain weight, you know. And uh, my wife is a pediatric occupational therapist that worked with kids with special needs, sensory kids, you know, a whole host of things. And we talked about how the two would affect speech development, even though she was never supposed to learn to talk. We believe she would. Um, talked about how that affect crawling and eventually walking, which again, she was never supposed to walk, but you know, we, we had better hope for her. So we opted out of that. And just to see how that, that small decision then changed my daughter's health, who now she's actually learning. She's actually now walking with form crutches. Um, she, she loves jokes. She won't stop talking, to be honest with you. It's like, you know, it's like, we want her to talk. And my wife reminds me, it was a lot of hard work getting her to, to talk and stuff. Yeah. But the, the first thing we did with her was actually diet, was finding real food, healthy fats, changing out processed foods. And as I learned about that, I learned about, and as I learned about other therapies, we just instituted it. And it kind of sucked me down this, um, you know, this, this rabbit hole you know, that I've just been, I'm still getting sucked down even today, you know, yeah. I'll, so I'll, you, I'm sorry. I'd really encourage you though. If you, that's a concern, there's so much great data out there. Yeah. Um, there's a Dr. Rowe, who's a, a psychologist that um, is in my world that deals with kids with neurological issues. Her specialty yeah. is a lot of kids with neurological issues. And it's amazing how much things are out there that can help these kids. And it's yeah. amazing. It's um, so I'd, I'd say, look, man, you just need to, it's, there's nothing that can stop a motivated parent, you know, nothing. Yeah, that's like I said, you know, with, with obviously his mom and I are, are are divorced. And so it's kind of the, you know, some things happen at my place, some things happen there. So it's kind of like you working together, hopefully. And because yeah. because I'm a big believer, I mean, he's on um, he's on Quillivant um, right now as a medication, which helps because if he's not on it, I mean, he's off the wall. It's, it's challenging, especially school. But 
I know there's better ways because I know how nutrition has been for my body personally. And I have to imagine just from research I've done, it's going to help him. So it's, it's kind of getting people on board with it, I guess. Well, it's, it's also even screens like the screen we're looking at right here. Like um, it's very, the blue light's very activating, very stimulating. And so it's kind of interesting to see you, you take a, just a normal neurotypical child and give them a, um, that's like four or five and give them a, a screen. And they're like glued into it. It's almost like kitty. I call it kitty crack because yeah. they're glued into it. Take it away. What happens to the behavior? Yeah, he gets insane. Yeah. Well, why is that? I thought this was calming. Look at him. He's so calm sitting there. It's, that is brain crack. The blue light is actually activating these photoreceptors in your eye that are going to your limbic part of your brain. Yeah. And so he looks chill to you, but his brain is just like, like this. You take it away and all of a sudden they go kind of bonkers. And there's actually a thing called digital dementia which is where the screens actually slow development of some of our parts of our brain that actually have to do with um, like um, guided imagery kind of stuff, like visualizing things. And so, you know, kids, what do kids do for play? They imagine things. They, you know, they take trucks and, you know, that part of the brain that they start young, that creates, you know, people that intuit really well in age. You, you want him to develop that. And, and that's development of that is stymied by giving kids 2D screens to look at a bunch, you know, it's, it's interesting how, how that's also affecting this in a big amount, the ADHD stuff we're seeing right now. And one of the things people in my community are questioning is after the COVID, are all these kids that have been in front of screens for a year and a half, you know, are we going to see a lot more ADHD diagnosed when schools go back to, you know, whatever the new normal is because of this effect on development of the kids' brains. So yeah. a lot of stuff out there to, to kind of ponder and think about that. Myself, oh yeah. The whole virtual school thing is a, I mean, my son's been doing it the whole year just because it worked, it was better. But even as they're going back in school, and I don't know why the school board down here changed this, but like they, um, because, you know, they they extended the virtual school day because kids had to be in the real buildings. So they wanted to match up the same time. And I said, yeah, but like those kids get to take a break here or there and walk around and go out to lunch. I was like, you know, mine has to be in front of the screen the whole time where it gets kind of you know, yelled at him like this is, you know, but it's only for a few more weeks, I guess. Um, where do where, where you live, Brian? I live in North Carolina. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, I'm obviously in a very, in Wake County, which is a very populated, you know, mm-hmm. um, county, but I think they're being safe with the rules. So yeah. that's neither here nor there. That's a deeper conversation to get into. Um, yeah. But go, going down that path a little, would you, and you mentioned this a little earlier about the, some testing, would you encourage people, whether it's a child or someone, you know, our age to get blood tests to see where they're at with certain, um, certain things in their body so they know where to go? Or is it best to kind of, hey, consult, consult the medical doctor first and then kind of go the down that path? Well, the question is, how, how would you know what testing to order? Like, I don't know. That's why I'm asking. That's yeah, yeah. why I'm asking. I, mean, I think that's where, you know, the, um, you know, what, what, what um, traditional healthcare, and I'm a medical doctor. I'm an assistant clinical professor at the local university. I'm a clinical researcher. My site actually is one of the top COVID research vaccine sites in the country. So I'm deep in the science, right? Mm-hmm. But people don't realize that what, um, what our current healthcare model is really, really good at is acute care. I mean, if you get an acute diagnosis of a lymphoma leukemia, metastatic cancer, a heart attack, you know, I'm in, I'm in Virginia, and we can get you stinted in like three hours. We can get, you know, clots in your brain from strokes, like lysed in a couple hours, like anything acute, you're in, our country is the place you want to be. 
well, wait, we fall, fall short is chronic care. How do you deal with these chronic health issues? And people don't realize that, for example, you know, um, 84% of African-Americans in our country have low vitamin D. 42% of um, Caucasians have low vitamin D. Um, 40 to 60% of Americans are deficient in any one B vitamin. So we add all of them together, B1, B2, B3, up to B12. Everybody's deficient on something. So, you know, Brian, which one are you deficient in? And you, you can guess and just take a B complex yeah. and take a D, but the only way to really know which one you're deficient in is to test it. And that's where our, our acute care model that doesn't look at, there's no acute vitamin D deficiency or acute, you know, you know, maybe vitamin C for scurvy or vitamin D for like, you know, um, you know, rickets, but for increased risk for COVID, increased risk for breast cancer, um, there's just, it's not paid for. And so what happens is you have to go to like a functional medicine practitioner who's trained in chronic care, who knows the right labs to order to yeah. figure out, you know, what your deficiencies are. So, you know, I definitely think people should be tested because we all have a deficiency in something. We all do. I take all the right stuff. You know, we raise our own cows. We have our own chickens here. I mean, we're for those weird people, right? Um, we ferment our own food. We make our own yogurt. I still have zinc deficiencies. I still have D deficiencies and certain B vitamin deficiencies. So we all have a deficiency in something. The question is, is what's yours? And the only way to really know is to actually test it. And what is there? Like, what would you ask for when you're when you if you someone goes to their medical doctor and says you know they listen to this podcast they're like man maybe I should get my blood test is it just asking simply for that or is it, what what do they ask for? Because insurance doesn't insurance doesn't pay for nutritional screening. Okay. So like when I see a patient for a physical, I mean everybody if I can. I can assume that you're pre-diabetic or diabetic and make up, quote unquote, a diagnosis code. And I'm right 50% of the time. Um, if, if I look the code for vitamin D deficiency, I'm right between 40 and 80% of the time. So there's some things you can just put on there and insurance will pay for it. But when you start looking at mineral deficiencies, um, fatty acid deficiencies, the insurances don't pay for that. Mm. And so that's where going to a functional medicine practitioner who actually works with labs that have better, um, better price points, you know, it's like a vitamin D free insurance is like a it costs $60 if you pay cash for it. But you know, there's a, there's a lab vibrant labs. You can actually order stuff and get lab testing. I think the vitamin D costs $6. And so that's where a lot of the prices are, are inflated. So if you went and asked your doctor for nutritional evaluation, it costs you thousands of dollars versus if you want with a functional person it costs you probably three to $500. So mm-hmm. that's where I think if you want that kind of stuff done, you need to find like a functional medicine physician or practitioner who kind of knows what labs to use and like where to get them from. Yeah. And do, I mean, it, it seems like your coaching would be, yes, it may be a little bit more, maybe insurance isn't covering it, but you're, we're looking at longevity here. We're looking at not having to have a lot of costs going into the hospital when you're older because you're taking care of yourself now. So it's almost worth it to get ahead of it and, and have some different looks, if you will. Yeah. I mean, we, we adopted all three of our kids from pretty bad situations. We got one when they're eight months old, one when they're a year, one they're two years old. And, um, um, only one of my kids has had antibox once. Okay. And my son, when we got him had bad asthma and bad eczema. Um, his skin was awful. He was wheezing. Actually, my wife, the first, um, first week she, we had him, he actually she slept with him on her chest because she was scared he'd stop breathing. Mm. And if you know him, my kids with asthma, you know that they get recurrent sinus infections all the time. He's never had any box ever. And so that's all environment. That's all nutrition. That's all us figuring out what he needs. It's us paying a little more for good quality food. And so, yeah, our, our food bill is a little higher. Yeah, we have a, a decent supplement bill, but um, we don't have hospital bills. You know, we don't have doctor visit bills, you know. Um, so it's kind of, you have to kind of weigh where you're, what you're, um, what you want to invest in, you know. 
because ultimately your health is an investment and you invest now and the dividends don't pay out until later, you know? Yeah. Are there any, you mentioned earlier about kind of some of the, the new science or kind of the new cool things out there. Obviously, you know, you said vitamin D has been around for a while, those type of things. What are some things that are, you know, folks should be maybe thinking about or researching more, asking more questions about um, that they should be aware of coming up or maybe that are out there already? I think the, okay, a couple things. I think the new, for me, the new cutting edge old thing is lipid therapy. So okay. treating brain damage, um, traumatic brain injuries with lipids, treating kids with autism, um, ADHD, um, people with Alzheimer's. I've, I've, um, I, I do a thing called the Bredenson Protocol. I'm Dale Bredenson, he's um, a neurologist. He's a neurologist over at UCL. He runs the Buck Institute. I mean, he's like, like one of the top, if not the top, Alzheimer's research in the country. He's got a book called End of Alzheimer's that um, Costco used to carry it. So if it's at Costco, it's got to be real, right? <laughs> you know. And um, he uses lipids. He tests people's brains for these lipid levels. So the reason I think that's like the big cutting edge old thing <clears throat> is because our whole food system is now based on processed oils, trans fats, um, semi-synthetic lipids that gum up your, your brain function, gum up your gut. And they're directly associated with increased risk for heart disease, neurological issues, cancers, a whole host of things. So that's like an, a, a new thing <clears throat> that is a simple treat. Just get real fat in your life, you know? So that's like, you know, that is, I feel is like probably one of the biggest leverage points people can do for their health is just replacing bad fats with good fats. Um, you know, I think that'd be like the, the new old thing. Then as far as other things, I think- And, and, and sorry to interrupt, you're just like, when you say like bad fats, you're talking about like replacing vegetable oil with like a coconut oil maybe or something like that or avocado, something like that. Is that right or am I, am I off on that? Well, I'm saying you replace, you need healthy omega-3s and omega-6s, which come okay. from nuts, seeds- um, kind of stuff. You need healthy saturated fats, which coconut oil is one source of that, but so is ghee. You know, so are eggs. Um, you need your healthy monounsaturated fatty acids, which are your extra virgin olive oil, you know. And so just basically replacing all the vegetable oil. Soy is terrible for you. Canola oil, both of those oils are actually are hexane or solvent deodorized and extracted. So you're getting, I mean, that's not stuff you want in your body. So you want to get rid of those things, replace them with um, healthy, real oils that people are using forever. You know, you don't, if the oil didn't exist 300 years ago, you probably don't want to put in your body. You know, right. it's a good, good, good rule of thumb, right? And um, that's like the biggest thing. And that takes a while because you have to, it means you throw out all the box stuff in your house. It means fast food kind of goes to the wayside. And when you go out, you basically only get certain foods, things that aren't fried, um, et cetera. But it's amazing how big of an impact that can have on your health, energy, sleep. Um, I've actually been posting stuff on social media about lipids and I got a whole string of things I'll be putting out here in the next little bit when my team starts putting those things out, looking at the omega-6 balance and increasing your risk for infections from Lyme disease, hmm. COVID. So this data that the lipids can actually make it harder for you to get chronic Lyme and make you more resilient against infections like COVID. I'm like, that's pretty cutting edge cool. And it's literally something that, 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 that um, anybody can institute in their health. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, I never thought about. It. Is that like a test you'd get as well, or how you yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, that's a test that um, LabCorp does it. Um, I kind of like LabCorp because they organize it in a way I can think about it. Okay. Uh, I use a lot of functional labs, like Genova is a place in Atlanta that does a lot of um, functional labs. Doctors Data is another um, lab out in um, Ohio. Vibrant Labs is one out in Colorado. They do these kind of functional lab testings, and and pretty much all, any functional medicine practitioner already knows who these labs are. Hmm. It already works with them. So like when you go to, um, you know, a, um, um, 
Elders Danlos expert, for example, university, there's like two labs in the country that do the genetic test for that thing. A female with breast cancer, you know, BRCA gene, you have to go to a special, you know, thing to get those labs. And so people think that these nutritional labs are things that any doctor should do. And it's actually falls into the specialty of functional or integrative um, care, not your general primary care. So if someone's looking for a functional medicine, like, is that what they're typing into Google to find like, like, is, is it everyone's the same? I'm, I'm assuming not. But like, what are you looking for? What qualifications maybe or what what questions should someone ask? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, you know, that's, that's a great point, because, because functional medicine is not regulated, per se, by any federal organization, which I think is personally a good thing. It means you can see uh, any, anybody from a, a nutritional, a, a functional nutritionist to a medical doctor and everything in between. And so you want someone who's had the training at one of the big organizations, whether it's the IFM or A4M, you know, there's, there's a certification through IFM. I have their certification. There's also a board certification uh, through A4M, which I am board eligible with them. And there's another certification through the ABIOM, which I have that certification as well. So you want to know someone's actually taken the time to spend two to four to six years to learn this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then you want to know, like, you know, what are they seeing? What type of patients are they taking care of? You know, and so are they seeing chronically ill patients, patients with mold and Lyme and hypermobility? Are they seeing people with gut issues and SIBO and dysbiosis? And these are things that most of these people are familiar with. Um, I personally, because I'm a medical doctor, so I feel like, you know, everybody's got their bias. I feel like having that deep science background and then also having a deep dive into the nutritional functional medicine background kind of puts your feet in both worlds. I'm also a clinical researcher, so I've got a foot in that world as well. So I feel like it keeps me balanced um, between data and literature, seeing people on um, acute care, because you don't want, you know, someone, you don't want a functional practitioner to say, hey, it's just, you know, your gut issue and miss a tumor, right? You need someone who kind of knows how to evaluate stomach pain and make sure you don't have a, a cancer or a tumor. So I feel like a, a medical doctor who has a functional medicine training uh, probably is the optimal. But the reality is, is there's maybe, there's like a less than 700 medical doctors trained in this in the country and less than 2000 practitioners in the whole country, whether medical doctors, DOs, chiropractors, acupuncturists. So there's just not a whole lot of us out there. I mean, oh. in my, in Richmond, which is a medium sized city, about 1.2 million, there's three of us, you know, there's other nutritionists, other um, functional health coaches, and other um, people involved in functional medicine, but actually, you know, doctors, there's not a lot. So that's one, that's where, you know, the IFM has a, has a resource where you can go to their website and just put in your local locality and find out who's close to you. Um, the 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 um, North Carolina has a fair number of, of functional medicine practitioners. Um, so is the DC area. Most major cities now have a fair amount of functional medicine doctors. But if you look at the map, like almost a third of them are on the West Coast. So you know it depends on where you're at in the country as well as far as your access um, to functional medicine. Mm -hmm. So what are you excited about, you know, whether, and you could take it from any angle, maybe it's things you're researching, maybe it's certain practices you're trying to do anything, maybe it's what did your business, some, some unique things, anything you're excited about the next six or 12 months you'd share? Well, I mean, what I'm personally excited about right now, I just started because of this whole thing with COVID, like, how do you learn about long COVID? You know, if you've ever heard of long COVID, have you heard? Well, yeah, so share that a little. I, I was going to ask that earlier. I'm glad you brought that up. Bring, give me that a little bit, long okay. COVID. What do you mean by that? Okay, so basically, long COVID is the new old thing. Okay, what, what, do, I mean, what do I mean that? The idea of getting an infection, an acute infection causing chronic inflammation. So, I mean, I think most people now are familiar with chronic Lyme or post-Lyme. 
I think most people are familiar with getting mono and having chronic mono or mold, getting in a moldy building and having chronic illness afterwards. These are acute exposures that in the right person, the right place cause chronic inflammation. And so, you know, post, um, post COVID or long COVID is just that it's an acute infection and the right person, the right place, the right time results in long-term inflammation. And so right now the literature is showing 10% of people who get COVID outside the hospital will have symptoms six months later. So that's 10% of how many millions of people is, is, a, is a ton of people. And then um, hospitalized, 70% of people in the hospital hospitalized have symptoms after, um, after getting out of the hospital for six months later. <clears throat> the literature actually, the UK kind of has been leading the way with this. Mm-hmm. They have a whole, you know, the British, the BMJ actually has an article. You can actually Google the BMJ post-COVID lab evaluation. Any doctor can Google this. And it tells you how to look at this and give some evaluation. And I'm like, that's the BMJ. It's like the, the UK's version of, you know, JAMA or New England Journal. And it's like in their literature for anybody to look at. And here we're kind of like, we just started talking about it three, three, four weeks ago in our kind of mainstream um, medical and, and, and literature. So that's what... Um, long COVID is. It's you get this thing and then you have residual symptoms. And I'm calling it the post-pandemic epidemic because if 10% of people who get this have this, it's going to be a lot of people in the future. So um, what I'm excited about is I, I've been putting a, a, together a community of people. I've got you know, my nurse practitioner, health coaches, people on this online community that my goal is to, to allow anybody anywhere um, in the country to join and access my, my team. And so I do courses on resilience, um, which I just finished that. The second one's gonna be on um, detoxification and inflammation. And then during this time, we kind of walk through self-evaluation. How do you figure out what your health issues are? And then within our community, I have you know health coaches, um, my nurse practitioner, a whole group of people that kind of help individuals do their own self journey through their health. And so that's kind of what I'm excited about, which is my current, um, my current project. I've got three other businesses and I kind of joke, this is my fourth business. And, um, and my wife, um, She's really passionate about it, and she's really passionate because she has a lot of friends that are really sick across the country, and she sees an opportunity for them to kind of have access to what she's had access to, um, you know, yeah. being married to me. And um, she gets credit because she's also the person who kind of started me down this pathway uh, however many years ago, 6, 17, 17, 18 years ago. So. Wow. That's pretty, you know, it's pretty cool, too, and, and to see, I'm assuming, obviously, you know, the information you've continually learned over the years, just how it, it keeps you almost a thirst for more now. It's almost like, like you uncover more things, and you're like, oh, my gosh, let's just keep going. Well, so I, let me give you a story. So um, I did an um, NBC12 interview with um, AJ. He's one of the reporters. He's a great, great, great guy, really open, really trying to learn, give people information. And I sent him a little thing, hey, you want to know about, you know, naltrexone? Um, to treat long COVID. He's like, sure, let's do a quick thing on it. So we did a little interview piece maybe four, four weeks ago on NBC 12, and I talked about it. There's a young lady in New, in New Mexico who um, got COVID last summer, and she's been sick for a year. And so she saw this thing. I was like, wait a second, let me try it. Went to her doctor. Her doctor gave it to her, and she emailed me um, last week. Like She's like, I, it's been a month, and I have my life back. Wow. I'm like, a, a silly interview that took me like, not silly, but you know, a little small interview that took me, you know, 20 minutes that you happened to come across doing a search changed your health. Like you're back to who you were within a month of being ill after being ill for a year. And that was like, that's really motivating. It's like my wife like got chills. She's like, this is the reason we're doing this kind of stuff is to help people who just don't have access to knowledge. You, know, you don't know what you don't know. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of, I feel like a cool story, but also tells like the power of, 
study. And that, that motivates me to study more. So it's kind of get that, like that, that high, almost like, that's so cool. What's the next thing? You know, what's the next thing that I'm going to find out that's going to change someone else's life? Like I've changed my daughter's. Um, you know, we, you know, my family's health issues have kind of got me down this, you know, this path. And it's, you know, how can I utilize this? How can my story actually change other people's lives as well? So that's kind of drive, that drives me to be honest with you. Like, it's what gets me up early in the morning studying. And then what kind of drives me when I see patients, I don't know what to do. It drives me to kind of like think about them, you know, yeah. and I'm um, research them and figure stuff out. And I'm, um, I'm still learning. I'm still practicing. I'm still learning after, you know, I've been a physician for 21 years now. I'm still, I'm still learning. I'm still practicing. You know? Yeah. Well, it's also a testament to getting information from the right people. Like if your your friend on Facebook says to drink celery juice for a month, maybe, you know, this, let's go look at actually something that's, you know, correct potentially. I don't know. I mean, celery juice won't hurt you, you know. No, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you're trying to treat long cover with celery juice, you probably, you know, <laughs> you know, celery juice actually is good for detoxification, but it's, it's, um, if you have a chronic health issue, it's probably more than the celery juice deficiency going on. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, get, get, get go to the right source kind of thing. Yeah. What is, and, uh, so say that website again, where the, the one where all your information, you mentioned where uh, someone can maybe, uh, find oh, yeah, yeah. this information to, yeah, that's richmondfunctionalmedicine.com. Okay. And that has like, my, I've got blog post stuff on there and all my social media stuff. And I was talking with you before I, I started a um, podcast, like, you know, three months before COVID and COVID hit. So that kind of, you know, I got four parts of six done, but um, all my stuff, the um, social media things, what I'm doing, the community, um, those are all available there for anybody. And the the majority, there's tons of free resources for people to download for um, food sourcing guides from the Institute for Functional Medicine, which is the, they're like the educational platform um, for functional medicine. And I, and I remind people that, you know, the biggest functional medicine clinic is sponsored by the IFM at the Cleveland Clinic. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty legit. So, so, but that, yeah, Richmond Functional Medicine is where you can find um, those resources. Okay. Well, let's end on this. This has been awesome, by the way. This is very informative. Um, I always like to ask, you know, if you had to go back and, and now we can go a few different angles. You can talk about someone maybe on their nutrition journey. You can go from a entrepreneurial standpoint. You can go from a variety of different angles. But if you're going back, let's say to your teenage self and you're giving them one piece of advice, maybe that you have discovered over these years has been the most impactful for you. Um, to maybe help yourself if you were going back in the DeLorean or maybe just someone early in their journey, what would you share? What kind of uh, advice would you share to them? I think you aged yourself with the, the, the DeLorean there. So, <laughs> Well, I think it came out, I think back to the future. I'm 38. I don't mind saying my age. Um, I think it came out in the mid, what, 1985, right? So yeah, I love that. I mean, I, I, that was my dream car for years. Was DeLorean. Oh, Great movie. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, um, what I would say is like, I, I really wouldn't, it's, it's always hard to say you change something because I'm actually kind of happy with where I'm at in my, in my life. But I think it's like what I did was I always did whatever was in front of me to the best of my ability. Um, whether it was delivering papers when I was in sixth grade, whether it was cleaning the floor in Windexie when I was in 10th grade, I just have always done whatever's in front of me to the best of my ability and learned how to do it better. And when you do that for five, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, what you find as you you get new skill sets and you your always are building on your ability to do things. You know, my, I always kind of joke with people like in college, my goal is I'm never going to do research. Um, I I don't want to have business. Who wants to own a business? I mean, oh my gosh, you know, um, like all these things I thought I'd never do as I just walk through doors. 
opportunities came up and I just had, had been, you know, the, what was the saying? Um, fortune favors the prepared mind. I just, whatever I did, I did the best of my ability, put one, one foot in front of the other. And, you know, I'm always learning something new. I always want to learn a new trade or new school every year. And I would just do that. And you do that for 10 or 20 years. And all of a sudden you look back, you're like, people talk to you like, how'd you learn that? How'd you figure this out? It's like, I just consistently worked every day a little bit, you know, and just one step in front of the other. I think, I think the magic to success is, is sweat and tears and blood. You know, it's not, yes, you need opportunity, but you have to be prepared for your opportunity. And that's my, and that's what I think with me, I, you know, there's, it's always tricky. Like if I had that one opportunity to be an RA and I'd taken that, I could have traveled more when I was in college, but that I probably wouldn't have met my wife. I probably wouldn't have be doing what I'm doing now because I wouldn't have adopted my kids, you know? So it's always tricky. Um, but I think what, what's helped in my success is always, you know, the, you know, putting my hands to the plow and not looking back, just doing whatever's in front of me, doing consistently and just whatever I'm doing, doing as good as I can, which when I was younger, it meant I did a lot of things poorly, you know, yeah. but it, it changes as you get older. And now it's a stage where I can look back and go, wow, like what got me here was learning how to wrap the newspaper the right way to be more efficient in delivering the papers while I was in sixth grade or when I was a carton finisher in college at Reynolds Metals and I was in the factory driving and also driving a forklift was to figure out how I could do the cartons just right to get quota and beat the guy beside me because we have these little races and stuff. And that, it was building one step upon another. And so um, I think that's, you know, my encouragement is just whatever you're doing, just do it as good as you can. You don't have to like what you're doing. Just do it well. Do it so you're proud of it, even if it's something you don't want to do. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah. yeah. And I just, you know, taking pride in it because I actually delivered papers as well when I was, I think I started in, I was 11. So I think it was probably sixth grade. So that's funny. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, how, do, 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 can kids do that anymore? Can kids? I don't. I'm not. I'm not letting my son do that. I'd, I'd be scared getting him out. I mean, I you know it's so funny. I don't know where you grew up, but like I, I grew up in a small town in upstate New York. But I literally would be out at five thirty in the morning, eleven years old, like going behind people's houses, like strangers. I'm like, how did my parents ever let me do this? This is ridiculous. I was I was sixth grade doing the same thing with my little thing, and I'd run to their doors and drop. I figured out if I didn't roll it up, if I just put them in the thing, I get everything in one trip. Yep, if I yep. did a little jog, I could drop them off and do the whole route in 45 minutes. So I did an hour and a half route in 45 minutes. So I go back home, go back to bed, get up to go to school. And I'm like, you know, these days, like we don't let our kids out of our sight for like five minutes. And my, I was doing that every morning, getting up at three 30, delivering the paper, coming back. I'm going to bed by four 30, five and getting back up for school by six. It's just like, but that little bit every day, you know, every year, um, even when I became a physician, I, when I finished my training, I wanted to learn a new skill. So I get a textbook on dermatology and learn dermatology or get a textbook on procedures and learn that. And I just, you do that and that becomes part of who you are. Then you're the, the, you, the you that you are a year from now is going to be different than the you you are today. Yeah. And um, that's one thing I've just been really, I've been excited to see, you know, who, who, what's my family going to look like? What am I going to look like three years from now? You know, cause I've learned enough to know that I can't predict that. Yeah. Well, Aaron, this has been awesome. I'm uh, I'm excited to chat with you three years from now and see where things are at. And uh, and like I said, it, it, this has been awesome. I, I've I've learned so much just in this time. I can't wait to do more research after we get off this call. And um, and excited to uh, keep in touch with you going forward. And I would just say, you know, because just you know, my my passion is kids with special needs because that's my family. That's, my entire family is kids with special needs, and mm-hmm. it's 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 interesting how kids everybody's our bodies are designed or made to heal they want to get better it's amazing you just put the right things and put the right stuff in take the and take the wrong stuff out your body amazingly heals i've had diabetics with uncontrolled diabetes get it controlled i've had patients with 
um, autoimmune diseases have them going to remission. Um, I've had kids with ADHD and autism learn to talk and learn how to focus. So it's really like my hope, my, my, my encouragement to everybody, including yourself, is like, you know, there are answers out there and never give up hope and never, never give up. Um, and never giving up, up on my kids is what's changed, changed my, transformed my business to something that helps more than just my kids now, you know. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that great interview. And thanks again for stopping by the Just Get Started podcast. Uh, Grateful to have you here. And if I could just make one quick ask before you run along on your day. You know, I've grown this podcast organically over the last three plus years. And it's from the great listeners that pick up, you know, a quote or a key learning or just enjoy the entertainment of the podcast. And they share it out to their audience. They leave a review on Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. Um, And I'd ask that for you as well. If you've made it to this point and are listening in, um, a lot of the podcast uh, platforms that you listen on have a share button right there where you can share it out to your audience on various platforms. So I would be so appreciative if you wouldn't mind taking a quick second to do that um, if you really enjoyed this episode. So thanks again. Um, Happy to connect online. I always love to meet new people. So if you want to go to my website, brianandraco.com, or connect with me. I'm at Brian Andreco, basically everywhere on Instagram, Twitter, even Clubhouse, that new app that's out there. Uh, you name it. So uh, follow me online and uh, certainly look forward to connecting further. I hope you all have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye.